You are listening to the Overflow Podcast, a ministry of First Denton. For more information on Overflow, please visit overflowdenton.org. Overflow, if you guys would, would you put your hands together and show some love and appreciation to Jerry Wood and Aaron Wagner. Uh, Hey, thank you guys so much for leading us tonight, man. I, I just had the chance to meet Aaron, but I've known Jared Wood for, gosh, several years now. Had opportunities to do lots of camps and lots of conferences together, and so love, love that man. Uh, well, Overflow, um, my name is Drew Worsham, and it is a massive honor to get to be with you tonight. Um, I don't know if you realize how incredible uh, what is happening here on Tuesday nights Uh, how incredible this is, and how many uh, cities, how many college campuses would long desperately to get to be a part of such a thriving ministry like Overflow. And so I hope that you appreciate that. Zach, man, so grateful for your leadership, and I know you got pushed in, but you are leading this so, so well, and so grateful for you, and just, man, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so, hey, if you guys would, man, just show some love to Zach. I'm so grateful for you, bro. So grateful for you. Well, I I realize that the vast majority of you in this room, you have absolutely no clue who I am. And that's that's totally cool. But for the last 15 years uh, of my life, um, I've spent traveling and performing. And you're like, performing? Okay, what does that mean? You're like, are you a musician, Drew? Uh, No, close. Uh, I'm a magician. Uh, or illusionist for the Christians that are in the room. And so, but that's, that's been kind of my life for the last 15 years. Um, graduated from college and just hit the road, started performing all over America. I mean, I literally lived in a car for a year and a half, just making loops around the U.S. And eventually landed in Washington State and decided, what if we just stop traveling for a little bit, or at least stop traveling in a car, maybe do more planes, and landed in Washington and planted a church there working with college students and uh, Man, still, still, still travel, uh, and uh, my, I live, we just moved from Washington State, um, where I was there for about 11 years. We just moved to San Antonio, Texas, and so we're back in the motherland, and so back in Texas, and so thank you, uh, the one guy with a little Texas pride. My grandfather used to always say, you can always tell a Texan, you just can't tell him very much, and so... <laughs> It's good, it's good to be back in the South. Uh, my wife and I um, live in San Antonio. Her name's Jane, and uh, she is five foot nothing, half Japanese, and she's kind of got that like Joanna Gaines look about her, so they look like they could be sisters. Um, but it's like I said, it's a huge honor to get to be with you guys. I do realize that the fact that I just told you that for the last 15 years I've been a magician, you're like, okay, bro, I need you to prove it. And so I felt like it would maybe, if it's okay with you, it would be cool if maybe we started this whole thing and I actually showed you what I'm talking about. Does that work with you guys? Okay, cool. <laughs> In order to do this, though, I'm going to need a few volunteers that will be willing to help me out. Ma'am, we're going to use you right here. And then we'll need uh, a gentleman to help us. Uh, let's get, I need someone that's pretty excitable. Uh, sir, you'll work. If you guys would, give these two a huge round of applause. Come on up. Come on up, man. Come on. Come on. All the way up. Keep clapping. They're almost here. Come on over here. You stand next to me here, and you'll stand next to me here. Now, perfect. Now, we're going to get to know you guys. Do you guys know each other? No. Oh, okay. 
Uh, wait, I feel like you're li- are you lying? Yeah, she's my Your siblings. We can't. Uh, well, we got to get rid of one of them. Uh, we can't use both of you. They're gonna feel like you're in on this, right? I'm not in. You, you guys trust these two? No. No, I, it's like mixed. It's it's mixed reviews. Okay, we'll, we'll make, well, here, I'll, I'll make an improvise, and we'll switch it up. But we'll, you, we'll start with you guys, and then maybe we'll bring some more people into this. Here's what's going to work. Tell, or how's this going to work? Tell me your name. Quasi. Quasi, yeah. okay. And Quasi, are you in school? Yeah. Okay, where at? UNC. What year? I'm a freshman. Freshman, okay. Congrats, bro. Thank you. Some other freshmen. And then your name, ma'am? Ama. Ama, okay. And are you also at UNT? Yes. Okay, and then what year are you? Senior. Okay, so your older sister. Okay, and what are you? What do you study? Psychology. Psychology. Okay, this is this will be fun. So, because in college uh, I studied psychology, and so I started combining the art of magic and illusions with that of psychology to do what scientists call mentalism, which means that everything that's about to happen is going to be cerebral. I mean, it's in your mind. Okay. There's not actually going to tricks that are going to happen. This is just psychologically, I'm just going to try to get inside of your head and work out what you're thinking, okay? So this is going to feel a little strange. It's going to be a little weird, but I'm going to ask you to kind of go with me. Quasi, we're going to start with you. Now, I've got something to make this a little bit easier, okay? I've got a deck of cards. Now, what you need to realize, though, is that what we're about to do is not a card trick, but this gives us 52 random objects for you to pick from, okay? for the most part, that you're probably kind of familiar with. Would you agree with that? Okay, very cool. Now, Quasi, when people replay tonight how this works, there will really only be one or two solutions. And the first solution will be this. They'll think that maybe you're in on it, and we're trying to kind of already establish the fact that you guys, that we didn't talk beforehand. We didn't prearrange anything. This is kind of on the spot. I need you to be honest. Don't lie to make me look more impressive. We didn't talk before. Okay, you're in church. Don't lie, okay? Um, The second thing is, is when they're going to go, well, maybe, maybe it's possible that the deck of cards that he had just only had one, two, maybe even three cards, and you guys didn't have that many choices. Quasi, I need you to look in there, and I need you to see that, in fact, all of these cards, they are different. Would you, can you agree with that? They're not in any special order or anything like that. They're all pretty mixed up. Would you agree with that? You sure? Yeah. I'm going to look there as well. All different. Good? No special order, nothing like that. Very good. Here's what's going to happen. We're going to start with you. Quasi, I'm going to take my finger. I'm going to flip through the cards like this. You'll say, stop. If you feel like I stopped too soon or stopped too late and I'm forcing a card, just say, start over or keep going. I want to make sure this is completely fair. Or if you just see a card and don't like it, we can keep going. Here's what's going to happen. Once we, we settle on a card, you're going to look at it and you're going to memorize it. For us tonight, there are two parts to every single playing card. There's the value of the card. That'll be, let's say, the number, or it could be a letter if it's, let's say, an ace, king, queen, or jack. There's also the suit. Okay, so you've got the value and you've got the suit. So that we're all on the same page tonight. There are only four suits. There are two red ones. There are two black ones. The two red ones are the heart and the diamond. And the two black ones are the spade. That's the one that looks like an upside-down heart or a shovel. And then there's the club, okay, or clover or puppy feet depending on what part of Texas you're from, okay? Now, does that make sense? So you memorize both parts. Take a deep breath in. Nice. Deep breath in and relax, okay? I want you to relax. 
A lot of people staring at you right now has a tendency to make our heart rate go up. We tend to get a little nervous. Thoughts go all over the place. I need you to pay very close attention to my voice. Quasi, whenever you're ready, I just want you to say stop. Stop. Right there. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about this car here? Um, yeah. You like it? You sure? <laughs> Can you memorize it? Yeah. Yeah, you won't forget it? No, I won't forget okay, it. Okay, good. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to look there at that wall. Okay, stare at it, and I want you to imagine that you see the card. I want you to see the, the value of the card, right. and I want you to see the suit of the card, the value and the suit. And in your mind, keep staring, and in your mind, I want you to say it to yourself, not out loud, <laughs> just in your mind. Say it over and over again so you don't forget, okay? Are we ready? Same exact thing, just say stop. stop. Right there, how do you feel about this card here? Can you memorize it? You will not forget it. Very good. You look there at the wall. I want you to see the value. I want you to see the suit. The value and the suit. The value and the suit. And if you would, say it over and over again. Okay? So that you don't forget it. Very good. Very good. Now, since we are using siblings, I want to make this a tad bit more interesting and a tad bit more real. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to get a few of you guys in the crowd to help me out as well. Okay? So here's how this is going to happen. I'm going to take this rubber band. I'm going to wrap it around these cards. Okay? And in just a second, I'm going to throw these cards to you. The rubber band will keep the cards from going everywhere. If you catch the cards, you can keep the rubber band around them. That'll save us a little bit of time. And this is what you'll do. You'll take the cards. You'll place them in your offhand face down. Okay? You'll then take your thumb when you're ready. You're going to peek open, look down at a card, see a card, memorize the value. You can leave it in the deck. We just want you to see one and memorize it. Do me a huge favor tonight. Don't look at the bottom one. It's the Ace of Spades. I already saw that one. It makes it a little bit easier. Okay? And uh, once again, you just look and see one. So here we go. We're going to go, ma'am, right here. Third row back. Right here. Would you just stand up for me and tell me your name? Bailey. Bailey, what, what, what year are you in school? I'm sorry? No, I heard you. Just sorry. Um, <laughs> kidding, Bailey. Bailey. I'm going to take the cards. I'm going to toss them to you. Are you ready, ma'am? Here we go. Nice catch. Face, stay standing. Face down. Okay. Take your thumb. Pick open those cards. Look in there and memorize one. You got it? Suit and the value. Perfect. Look right here at me. Zero in on it. Did you see the suit and the value? Perfect. Okay. We're going to go somewhere in the middle here. Uh, let's go you, ma'am. Would you stand up for me? Yeah, right here. Second row. Yeah. You just went like this. Second. Tell me your name. Savannah. Savannah. Bailey, will you toss those cards to Savannah? Nice. Okay. Take your thumb, peek open those cards, look at one, and memorize it. You got the suit and the value? You can stay standing. Okay, look right here at me. Suit and the value. Look right here at me. Very good. Okay. And let's get a gentleman Nike hat right here. Would you stand up? Tell me your name. Bailey, Bailey as well. Whoa. Do you guys know each other? No. This is real magic. Okay. Uh, you toss those cards to Bailey. Nice. Face down in your hand, take your thumb, peek open those cards, look at there, memorize that card. Suit and the value. You got it? Perfect. Bailey, take those cards, toss them here to me. Good throw. Okay, now go ahead and stay standing. Now there's five of you, okay? Once again, we didn't preset anything. Here's what I want you to do. With five thoughts, the five images in your mind, I want you to clear your mind of every single thing but that one image. I'm going to try to help you out tonight because this is difficult. I want you to imagine that you're back in high school, okay? Freshman year of high school, you're walking through a hall, and all of a sudden you stop and you turn into a classroom. It's an art room. You, something in you just tells you that's what it is. You notice in the far corner, 
but there's an easel and there's a canvas on it. In your mind, I want you to imagine yourself walking towards the canvas. Now you're right in front of it. I want you to look down. You're going to see there's a bucket with two markers in it. There's a red marker and a black marker. In your mind, pick up, just in your mind, pick up the marker that you associate with the color of your card, whether, whether it be red or black. Okay? Very good, Bailey. Second Bailey. <laughs> Very well. There it is. You're pretty quick. You reached down there. You grabbed a red marker. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It's 50-50, but I still think it's cool. Okay. Um, we're going to struggle with one of you. Maybe it might be you. You're doing a great job. This is not your fault. It's just trying to struggle to pick up. Right here, look at me, Bailey. Your card. Think about the color of it. You reached down, grabbed a black marker. Is that correct? Very good. Okay. Very good. Very good. Okay. And you reached down, you grabbed a black marker as well. Very good. Yes. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> like I said, it's still 50-50, but I think it's impressive. Okay. Here's what I want you to do. In your mind, begin to draw the suit that you associate with that card. Okay. Just draw the suit in your mind. Perfect. That was easy for some of you. Okay. Now I want you to go to the value of the card. Draw the value in your mind. Excellent. Okay, very good. This is what I picked up with you. As you reached down, you grabbed the marker, it was red. You were quick to draw the suit because it was easy for you. I saw that, there was almost like a rest um, in your heart. As you went to then the value of the card, interesting. There's a weird connection to this playing card. I picked up on that even when you were trying to decide whether to stick with this or not. Um, it lets me know a few things. I'm willing to bet one that you drew a heart. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but more impressively, I think that the card that you drew, you drew a letter. More specifically, you drew the Queen of Hearts. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Would you guys give them a round of applause? Well done. <laughs> Nothing. Here we go. Do these a little bit faster. Y'all's came pretty quick, okay? This is what I saw. I saw seven of spades, ten of clubs, and the king of diamonds. If I named your card, would you please have a seat? Perfect. <laughs> I don't know if you just saw that, but I just got four out of four. Um, all that to say is if this doesn't work, obviously it's, it's not my fault. Um, I'm going to do a great job. Focus in. All I know at this point is that the color of the card is black. I want you, once again, you're going over the suit in your mind, okay? I noticed that you, when going into the suit, you struggled a little bit, not sure exactly how you were going to draw this, a little more complicated. Interesting enough that you took some advice that I took earlier about the heart, the upside-down heart. You drew an upside-down heart, making it a spade. Is that correct? <laughs> yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, don't act so impressed. Um, you drew the value. I saw the value. It was a number. Correct? Now look right here at me. I'm going to to help me out. I want you to count out loud from 1 to 10. Okay? So go ahead and do that now. I'm going to be honest with you. I want you to try your best to keep this from me. But the harder you try, the easier you're going to make it. So just heads up. But if you would count out loud, 1 to 10, you guys will be able to see this. Watch.
perfect. You can turn and face the audience. For those of you that know her, uh, you'll know this. All of her tails are in her eyes, every one of them. She blinks uh, in each one. A lot of that's just kind of a nervous thing. But I notice one thing, that you do a double blink when you get really nervous, okay? <laughs> you double blinked. Yeah, you, you, they already know. Um, you double blinked on the number four. Um, a lot of that has to do more with kind of the anticipation of the number coming up. And I saw you double blink on five as well. I would probably say with full confidence that the card you're thinking of is the five of spades. Is that right? Yes. Would you guys give her a round of applause? You can have a seat. Right back here. Oops, sorry. Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, I've never seen that work before. So... Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, uh, well, tonight we are going to dive into God's Word, and I don't really have a good segue. So if let me just pray for us. I think that would be the easiest um, to kind of, now that I've distracted you and confused you, um, let me just pray and ask God to speak to us tonight. Thank you guys so much for just leaning in and, and laughing and having a good time. Um, but let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. We're so grateful, um, God, that you speak to us, that you're the God um, that, that invented laughter, you invented joy, you created a sense of awe and wonder for us, and in a day and age where we've sometimes lost a sense of awe and wonder, I'm so grateful for the little moments where that gets restored and we kind of feel like a kid again. Well, Jesus, but in these next few moments, I, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. We believe that you're here. We believe that not a single person in this room is here by accident or happenstance. That just, Father, you've orchestrated the details of our lives to be in this place and in this moment. And you promise that your presence is here. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us tonight. That what these students of Overflow need is not to hear man, some wisdom from me or see some magic trick that I've learned or even just sing songs. Jesus, what we need more than anything is we need to hear from you because your words, I mean, you have the words of eternal life. So Jesus, speak to us. Open up our ears to hear tonight, to receive from you. Open up our eyes to see you more clearly. And may we walk out of this place tonight forever changed because we met with you, Lord. We love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to grab it and meet me in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. And as you turn there, I want to kind of set the stage for us tonight um, with kind of what's going on in the story. Previous to this chapter, in Acts chapter 3, we see that two of Jesus' disciples, Peter and John, um, they are on their way to uh, a church service. They're on their way to the temple to worship. And on the way, right outside of the temple, there is a lame beggar that the Bible says that's been there for, I mean, that he's 40 years old and he's probably been there for the majority of his life. 
He's been there begging for money, asking for help. And if you think about it, as a lame beggar, as a homeless person, uh, to beg outside of the church, not a bad place to do it. You got people leaving the church service, feeling kind of guilty, feeling generous, and more likely to give. So the Bible tells us he's been posted up there for majority of his life. And so Peter and John, on their way to the temple, walk past him, and they hear him begging. And they stop, and they turn and face him. And you got to think lame beggars going, cha-ching, jackpot, it's payday. But Peter and John walk up to this lame beggar, and they say this, hey, silver and gold, we don't have it. But what we do have, we give freely. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And all of a sudden, the muscles in this man's leg begin to strengthen and straighten. For the very first time in his life, he's able to stand up on his own, walk on his own. And the Bible paints this picture that he begins to not just walk, not just run, begin to skip and almost dance in the middle of the temple. Now, everyone in the temple would have known this man. They would have walked the last 40 years, walked past him, heard him begging for money. And they're like, wait a second, isn't that the man that's been begging his entire life outside of this church service? So they're asking all of these questions. And Peter and John begin to spotlight, billboard, champion Jesus. And people begin to give their lives to Jesus. And it's such a large commotion that the religious leaders of the time go, we, we got to put a stop to this. We got to tell them to like stop it. So they grab the Peter and John, throw them in prison, and say, "Hey, listen, it's already kind of late, so we'll just deal with this in the morning." And so that's where we find ourselves in in the passage. That's the setup. That's what's that's happening in this story. And so I want us to look, starting in verse one of Acts chapter four. I want us to see this. In verse one, it says. And as they were speaking, he's talking about Peter and John. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. Just side note, the Sadducees were the ones that falsely accused and put a false trial on Jesus and would ultimately execute him. Verse 2, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. The Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. So the fact that they're teaching in the resurrection, it's fighting words. In verse 3, And they were arrest, they arrested them, and they put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. That is an incredible revival. Verse 5. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Ananias and high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. Verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? And then watch this in verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, and by what means this man has been healed, then let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who you crucified... 
whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Pause. Man, I love what God is doing here in Overflow. And getting to hear the stories from Zach and from Wade Morris, and I know maybe just a few weeks ago, many of you, for the very first time in your life, like you said yes to Jesus. It was like Texas Hold'em style. You pushed all the chips in and said, I'm, I'm here, it's yours, all of it. Do whatever you want with it. And many of you said yes to Jesus for the very first time. And Zach last week talked about the cost of discipleship, that salvation is a free gift, but following after Jesus costs you everything that you are, and that he's absolutely worth it. Well, tonight, I want to kind of piggyback off what Zach has been teaching, and I want to talk about this, the three markings of every follower of Jesus. That for those of us in this room, that we would say, Jesus is my king, he's my Lord, the three things that we should be known by, the three things that the university that we go to when people see us on campus, in class, in our sorority, in our fraternity, in our, on our team, in our mural, or whether it's you playing Division One ball, whatever it is, that people would see you and go, they're known by these three things. And the first is this. The message is clear. The message is clear. One of the things that I've been so grateful about moving back to Texas is this, is that the South has one of my favorite restaurants of all time, um, a restaurant called Chick-fil-A. And so, yeah. Hey, I know it's going to be hard for you to, like, wrap your mind around this, but there are actually places in the United States. Now, it's not third world countries, like, in the United States that don't have Chick-fil-A. Okay? In the Pacific Northwest, like, they hadn't made it up to that region. And so for years and years, we prayed that God would deliver us and send us a Chick-fil-A. And I know many of you, we've gotten a chance to hang out at camp. Like, you joined in that prayer with us. And I just, like, man, just want to be a testimony to God's grace and his goodness that he heard our prayers. And right before we left, there was a Chick-fil-A that opened eight miles from our house in Washington State. Yeah, he's so good. He's so good, okay? <laughs> if you doubted it when you walked into this place, realize he's just so good. But here's the deal, and most of us, we really do, we love Chick-fil-A, and there's really kind of two major camps. You've got the chicken sandwich, and you've got the chicken nuggets. All the other stuff's really good, but it kind of lands on, on one of those two. The waffle fries, like manna from heaven, and you've got all of those Chick-fil-A, the different sauces, okay? My personal favorite, the Chick-fil-A sauce, okay? The signature one. But here's what's cool. No matter where you find yourself kind of in, in the debate, what's your favorite item? What's your favorite sauce? What we've noticed is this, is somehow, someway, Chick-fil-A has hired these two renegade cows that are vandalizing billboards all over the South. And they have a slogan and a message, and we all know it no matter where we land. It's three simple words, eat more chicken. And what we know is this, is their message is unbelievably clear. And in a day and age where the world in which we live is hurting 
and is asking and begging for the hope that many of us have within us, the church oftentimes finds itself stuttering, confused, unclear, unsure of what it is that we actually believe, or unwilling to speak truth, fearful that it may complicate or hurt someone's feelings. And our message, church, has to be unbelievably clear. I, I didn't grow up in church. I had tons of questions about who this God was, and I'm so grateful that I had a youth pastor that, I mean, literally came and knocked on my door several times, inviting me to come hang out, and eventually just goes, let me just buy you lunch. And I was like, I'm all for lunch, like all for a free meal. And I remember him sitting across the table, and he asked me, he said, Drew, he said, what do you know about the Bible? And I said, well, I, I'm pretty sure that Jesus is the main character. He said, well, very good. He said, Drew, if I could tell you the whole story of the scripture in three minutes, would you want to know it? I said, absolutely, man. And I'll never forget what he said as he said, hey, look, in the very beginning of this book was just God. And God, with his words, began to create. He spoke the world into existence. On the sixth day, God reaches into the dirt and forms mankind. It's the first thing that God ever touches. He breathes life into man. Why? So that man could have an intimate, deep relationship with God. Walk with him. Be fully known, fully known. We make it three chapters into the book before we screw it up. And essentially, we looked at God and said, hey, listen, I know that you created all of this. I know that this was all of your idea, but we've been on planet Earth for a minute or two, and we've got it figured out, and we're, so we're going to do it our way, not your way. Thanks, but no thanks. And ultimately, gave God the middle finger and committed treason. And in that moment, sin entered the world and fractured it. It broke it. And every one of us know that, and we feel it at the core level. And many of us woke up yesterday morning and saw on Facebook or saw on the news or Instagram the shootings in Las Vegas. And whether you believe in Jesus and follow him or not, everything at your core screams that shouldn't be the way it is. We live in a broken world. That's not right. And that sin that started all the way at the beginning has been passed down from father to son, mother to daughter, and it's in every single one of us like a cancer, a plague that's killing us. The Bible goes so far to say it this way, that that, that, that sin has actually separated us from a holy God and made us enemies of God. You're like, whoa, Drew, that's a little intense. You need to chill out, enemies of God? I don't know if I believe that. It's just that's the picture the Bible paints. But here's what I want you to see. The entire Old Testament, although tons of crazy stories, tons of crazy stories, it's all just one giant promise. And the promise is this, that God sees us in our brokenness. 
He sees us in our separation, but he loves us too much to leave us there. And one day he's sending a hero to fix every bit of it. And so when you turn the pages from Malachi into Matthew, you see that the hero shows up, but it's not what anyone expected because the hero was God himself, that God was willing to leave his throne room, come to planet Earth and wrap himself in human flesh. And we called him Jesus. That's who he was. It was God in the flesh that was willing to move into our neighborhood. That's why at Christmas we call him Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He's here. He walks on earth 33 perfect years teaching us what it means to be fully human. And then he willingly lays his life down on a cross, not his cross, our cross. That was our death penalty for our treason. He's killed, placed into a tomb, three days later raises from the grave, proving that he has the power over sin and death and all who call upon the name of Jesus, all who bow a knee and surrender their lives to him. Check this, because this is where it gets crazy. Go from being enemies of God to now being adopted into the family of God. Sons and daughters of the King of the universe. That is our message. That is what we cling to. That there is salvation in no other name outside of Jesus. And in a world where they say, hey, listen, I'm, Jesus is cool, whatever. As long as like, you realize that he's just a way, he's a pretty good option, he's probably the best option out there, but he's not just really for me. No, no, we have to realize this as believers, that Jesus is the way. Not a way, not best option. He's the way, the only way to God. And for many of us, listen, if we didn't grow up in church like me, that's really frustrating. Can we be honest? You're like, Drew, how narrow-minded are you? Do you? How dare you step up on a stage here in Denton and go, Jesus is the only way. And many of us, we get frustrated at that. We don't like that. We're like, man, how, how narrow-minded, how arrogant of you to say that Jesus is the only way. Here's the deal. Hear my heart, please, tonight. Because of our brokenness and because of our sin, it would have been completely justified for God to wipe us all out and start over. 100% justified. Our treason, our disobedience, our middle finger to the God of the universe. The fact that the creator God of the universe would make a way at all is unbelievably open minded. The grace of God extended to each and every one of us. And if he is the God of the universe, he gets to decide. It was God himself that was willing. He opened it up for you and I by giving himself that God himself would die for us. Unbelievably open minded. Church, our message has to be clear. Second point is this. Not only is our message clear, but we are marked by Christ. Our message is clear and we're marked by Christ. Look at verse 13. Now, when they, talking about the Sadducees, 
the religious leaders. They saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men. They were astonished. Nothing special about these guys. Nothing to write home about. But they recognized that he had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we can't deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. Not only was their message clear, they were marked by Christ. That these Sadducees look at Peter and John, and their comment is this. There is absolutely nothing special about them. They're ordinary. They're uneducated. They didn't finish high school, let alone get a seminary degree. They're just common men. But the one thing that's really obvious about them, the one thing that we can't deny, is they've been with Jesus. They've been with him. Think about this just for a second. The Sadducees, the, one that put, the ones that put Jesus on the cross, where were the disciples when Jesus was being tried, when he was on the cross? Nowhere to be found. Even Peter, the one with the loudest mouth, the spokesman, the poster boy, if there is one of them, even him, like when they would go, hey, I think you might have been with him. And he's like, nope, not me. Three times, nope, not me. So how is it that when they looked at them now, that they would go, it's obvious that they've been with Jesus. I told you that when I graduated college that I got in a car and just started traveling, performing, what I didn't tell you was this, is that in that car there was actually a musician. So it was like a guy who played guitar and sang songs, much like Jared Wood and Aaron and me. That was it, just us two, a year, living in a car, many nights sleeping in the car. And Josh, my friend, we ended up moving to Washington, planning churches together, still one of my closest friends to this day. But here's the deal. If I had the option, if we could bring Josh out tonight, which he's in Washington now, but if we could bring him out and just we got a chance to hang out with him, Something that you would notice pretty quickly is this. You're like, man, Josh, like you and Drew are very similar. Like you, 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 you talk very like the same, like your inflections the same. You, you, you use your hands in the same way. Like you guys tell a lot of the same stories and a lot of the same jokes, most of which he stole from me. Okay. But why is that? I mean, you, you understand this. Like, you've had friends in your life that people look at you and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like you share the same brain. It's like you finish each other's sandwiches. <laughs> why is that? And why was it for me? Because for every single day, every single hour, for a year and a half, I spent every waking moment side by side with Josh. And for these men, for three years, every single waking moment they spent with Jesus. 
They looked at him and they said, there's nothing special about them. But one thing is for certain. Those guys have been with Jesus. Why? Because they talk just like him. They have the same mannerisms. They, sell, they, they, they tell some of the same stories. It's like, it's like they're Jesus. They look just like him. It's obvious that they've been with him. So my question for those of you in this room that confess Jesus is Lord, that he's your king, when, when people look at us, is it obvious that we've been with Jesus? Do the people in your class, the people in your student organizations go, listen, I don't know Jesus. I haven't gotten them figured out. But I'm willing to bet if he was on planet Earth, he'd look a lot like you. I'm willing to bet he'd talk like you. He'd probably walk like you. Have the same mannerisms, the same thought pattern. He'd think he would love people the way you do. And I don't, I don't know him, but if he was here, I'm willing to bet he'd look a lot like you. Because it's obvious that you've been with Jesus. God forbid tonight when we're done, that any of us, for whatever reason, are outside on 35 and walking across it, playing in the, the interstate. I don't know why you would be out there, but just go with me. And around a corner, an 18-wheeler full speed were to hit you dead on. If that were to happen, I will promise you this. If you were to survive, you would forever be different. You would forever walk with a limp. Why? Because you don't get hit with something that powerful and just limp away. And if the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ has hit you square on, it forever changes you. Forever with a different, you walk different, that affects you at the core. And church, I want us so desperately to be people that are marked with, by Jesus. Listen, not because we put on charades and act like him. Like we have to go, okay, well, like I'm an actor. Now I've got to pretend that this is how Jesus, you know, lived his life. No. I didn't have to do that with Josh. You don't have to do that with your friends. You just have to be in proximity with him. Spend time with him. And over time... The pieces of you that don't look like Jesus begin to be chipped away. And day by day, you begin to look more and more like him. May we start with just walking with him daily. Last and final point is this. May our message be clear. May we be marked by Christ. And lastly, we'll see that they were motivated by the cross. Verse 18 so they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, and I love this, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge, for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And they said this, you just told us to keep our mouths shut, whether that's right or wrong, that'll be between you and God. But one thing is for certain. 
we cannot help but speak about the things that we have seen. We can't help it. That it has so grabbed our heart that we can't help but billboard and champion and make much of this. And we all do this. We all billboard and champion what has captured our hearts. If you think about it for just a second, all of social media is just our culture's answer to the question that we're asking, how do we billboard more things? Like, I saw this movie, so I want to post it on Instagram. I read this book, I need to tweet it. I went to this concert, I need to let people know about it. That we all billboard and champion things on the daily. Has Jesus so grabbed our heart? Are we so motivated by what he's done for us that we can't help but spotlight him, billboard him, and let the world know about him? I'm not talking about, man, that tomorrow you need to get up in the morning and just need to be really weird and crazy and start picketing and let people really know what you think. Like, that's not my point. But every morning when you wake up, are you motivated by what God has done for you? That it would allow you to love the people that God has placed in your life. That you begin to view your life and view yourself as a missionary sent to campus. I heard this, and this is really in the talk, but I'm probably going to, this is like an episode of Lost. I'm probably going to stir more questions and answer by saying this. But I remember being at a college conference. And there's a gentleman that walked on stage, and I'll, I'll never, I mean, I was freshman year of college, fairly new believer, and had this guy walk up and had the audacity to say this. He said, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're in this room and you confess to be a disciple of his, he said, and if you're at college for any reason other than to be a missionary for him, he said that you're here for a selfish and sinful reason. <laughs> I remember sitting in the back going, bro, time out. Uh, you need to just check yourself because that's a little too intense for me. I, I think you overstated that to make a point. What's the deal with that? And then he began to unpack what he meant. And he said this. He said, hey, listen, let's just, let's just take it. He says, you're in college. I ask you why. Why are you here? You're like, well, Drew, uh, honestly, I finished high school, and this was the next step for me. Okay, cool, but why are you here? Well, Drew, I got, I got to get a degree. Praise the Lord. That honors Jesus, but why? Well, Drew, I got to get a degree so that I can get a job, because right now what I want to do in engineering, I have to have a degree to do that. Okay, cool. God wants you to have a job. He doesn't want you to be a bum. Why, though? Why do you want the job? Well, Drew, here's the deal, because I've got to get a job so that I can make money, okay? Praise God. But why? Well, Drew, here's the deal. I've got to make the money so that I can buy the nice house, the nice car, and ultimately so that I can retire comfortably. That is the story of, I would say, probably 90%, if not 95% of the people that you live life with on the college campus. Ask any of them tomorrow. Here's the problem with that. If in the end, the story ends with you, 
that you're here to get the degree, to get the job so that you can make the money, so that you can get the nice house and nice car. None of those things are wrong. But if that's the end goal, then in the end, it ends with you. And therefore, it is selfish and sinful and not why you are still on planet Earth. That's not why you're still here. Why not? The moment that you give your life to Jesus, that you say yes to him, many of you just a few weeks ago, why not get zapped up into heaven to be with him? Why are you left here? To be in the throne room would be a much better deal than we've got going on down here. Think about it. No hurt, no pain, no cancer, no classes. I mean, in the presence of God Almighty, fully known, fully loved, a much better deal than what we've got going on down here, as amazing as this may be. God, why'd you leave us here? Because he's not done. Because he still has an assignment for you. The gospel hit you on its way to someone else. And God so loves this world that he would rescue you, redeem you, grab a hold of your heart and your affections, and in this, check this out, leave you in that classroom. Why? Because he loves the students in that classroom so much that he would leave you there to tell the story. That God would so love your sorority. How unloving for him to pull you out, but he leaves you there. Why? Because you have the story that has the ability to take a dead heart and bring it back to life. Are we motivated by what we've seen and heard so much that we can't help but speak about it? Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 8, would say this, that Jesus, your name, your renown, your fame, that's the desire of my heart. That's what I'm living for. If you rewind just a little bit, you see that in Isaiah chapter 6, that Isaiah comes face to face with King Jesus. Woe is me. I'm so screwed up. I'm sinful. Man, he heals him, rescues him, redeems him, and it leads him into worship. He's celebrating with the angels, worshiping God Almighty. And then this phrase, very popular phrase, gets brought up. So who's going to go before us? Who shall we send into this world? And Isaiah steps up to the plate. And if you look back in Isaiah chapter 6, you'll see he says this, Here I am, send me. There's an exclamation point at the end of that phrase. Isaiah doesn't step up and go, Well, I guess, I guess I'm the only one here. I guess if no one else will go, I guess you could send me. I mean, I don't really want to do it. It could get awkward, it could get weird. I don't know if I want to go, but I guess if, if no one else will, I will. No, when you see Isaiah step up to the plate, it's though he says, God, send me. Send me. Don't send anyone else. I'm here. I'm first. I've seen your beauty, your glory. I've seen how much of a treasure that you are. You've redeemed me. You saved me. You've overwhelmed me. Send me. Let me tell the story. I'm here. Send me. God, please, 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 would you send me? I'm overwhelmed by what I've seen. I'm overwhelmed by what I've heard. No one can tell the story better than me. Send me, Jesus, please. I'm new to this. 
I'm five minutes into walking with you. I'm five minutes into being redeemed, but send me. I'll go. Church, may our message be clear. May we be marked by Christ. May it be obvious that we've been with him, that we spend time with him daily. And don't just give him lip service, but we walk with him. And when we be motivated by the cross, all that he has done for us, the grace and mercy that he's poured out on our lives, so much so that it sends us into the places that we have influence to tell the story. I'll end with this. Several years ago, I was at a camp, and I was just performing. I was just doing magic, and there was another guy that was speaking, and we're kind of hanging out in the back, and while we're hanging out, we watched the students just worshiping. Gosh, man, many of them just losing their minds, much like you guys. And what a beautiful sight to watch college students just with no inhibitions worship and sing and chase after Jesus. But there was this one guy in kind of the back that grabbed our attention. I mean, he was like really going after it. Like that guy that just, I mean, it's like, man, like you just don't care who's in the room. Like you are so caught up in worship that you're like losing your mind. No inhibitions, no hold back. And then it got our attention. So me and this, this camp speaker are going, okay, hey, I gotta figure out what this kid's deal is because this is unbelievable. Like, how was he able to worship like this? So I know this is not like super appropriate, but we like walk over to this kid and during one of the songs, tap him on the shoulder. They go, hey, listen, man, I, I am so sorry to interrupt you. But bro, I have to ask, how in the world are you able to worship like this? How are you able to worship like no one else in the room? Like without a care in the world, how do you worship like this? And I'll never forget his response. He said, what do you mean? I'm the only person worshiping like this. A little confused, it was that moment that the moving lights of the camp kind of sweep over his face and notice that his eyes were glazed over. And it, it made sense. I said, sir, I'm so sorry. Are you blind? I said, I am. I remember walking away from that encounter and felt like the Lord just spoke directly to my heart. That young man, there was no question in his heart about what the message was. Jesus, there was salvation in no other name but Jesus, and he was gonna worship Jesus with everything that he had. It was so obvious that he had been with Jesus. So obvious that he was motivated by what God has done and what God had done in his life. But here was the interesting part. He had absolutely no idea that everyone else in the room wasn't worshiping the same way. Of course they would be. 
Why would they hold back? Do they not know this message? Have they not walked with Jesus, seen how beautiful he is, seen the treasure that he is? Do they not remember what he's done for them? Has that not sent them into the world? What do you mean I'm the only one worshiping like this? Overflow. My prayer is this. As the band comes up and, and leads us into another song, my prayer is that we would be these people. That our songs would not just be glorified karaoke. That we come in here for just a little bit, but that our worship stops the moment that the guitar stops playing. But that our worship would continue out these doors. And that our songs would ring true all over the campuses that we live on. Because here's what I believe. With every bit of me. The men and women that are in this room tonight are among the most influential men and women on our planet. Without question, you are among a few people that walk on the universities, that know Jesus, most influential people on our planet. Jesus Christ took 12 ordinary, common, uneducated teenagers who believed those things, whose message was clear, who had been marked by Christ and motivated by the cross. 12 ragtag teenagers that lived out those three things. And he flipped the world upside down. From 12 teenagers to now close to 2 billion people that confess to follow Jesus. Now there's still 5 billion that don't know him. Many of them on our campuses. The nations are coming straight to us. I cannot even begin to imagine if just 10% of you in this room begin to believe this and walk in it, how God would use overflow and use that 10%, check this, not only to change the campuses here in Denton and all over Texas, but all over the world. 10% would step up to the plate. Who got them here? Freshman, UNT, my life is yours. I realize I'm ambassador for Christ. I'm a missionary sent to this campus, sent to that classroom. Send, send me, I'm here. And our message would be so clear that it would resound through the halls. That people would look and go, that's what Jesus looks like. 
There's like 50 of them that walk on our campus. They look just like Jesus. And they're motivated by what their God has done for them. So let me pray for us. And then tonight we're going to continue in worship. Jesus, we love you. We're so grateful that you would give your entire life to rescue us, to redeem us, that you have opened open the door so that we can walk with you, know you, be marked by you, spend time with you deeply and intimately, Jesus. May we not forsake that. And Father, for those of us in this room, many of us that we've just forgotten, we've just taken our eyes off of the cross, would you lift our eyes to see you, to see you in all of your glory, to see the beauty that you offer, the treasure that you are, would you just remind us where we have forgotten, capture our hearts and pull us close, Jesus. Use us in this room to change the world, and it'll start with our biology class, with our engineering class, with our intramural team. But use us, Jesus. We're here. We're ready. We're willing. We don't have it figured out. We've got lots of questions. Don't know what in the world we're doing. But we're yours. So use us. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Overflow Podcast. Please feel free to download and share with friends. We ask that you do not alter any of the previous content in any way. For more information about Overflow, feel free to visit us online at overflowdenton.org.